Hey everyone, welcome to another session of Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors. And today we have a world-renowned speaker, a best-selling author, and an amazing human that just happens to be a cancer warrior too. I would love to welcome Michelle Miraz. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. You thank are, you for having me. You're just an, an impeccable soul and your story is like no other. So I would love to start off you know, tell us a little bit about your journey as to what got you here today. Well, what got me into this cancer warrior situation? <laughs> I used to live my life very willy nilly. I just took every day as it was and I let life happen. It didn't have any course. I didn't have any purpose. I was a mom and I was a wife, period. And I, I thought that's just what I was supposed to be doing. But in 2014, I was in a car accident. And in that car accident, I lost my education, a lot of memories, a lot of everything. And then I was trapped in my mind for two years, three months, um, with all my inner critics telling me what I wasn't and how much of a failure I was. Now, I'll fast forward through that because it was dark. And I, I wrote a book called, uh, well, I came out of it, did a TED talk, then I wrote a book. So at the end of that two, two years, three months, I worked on myself, getting my brain back, getting to learn how to walk again, how to talk and how to use my hands. Because what happened is I obtained a traumatic brain injury, frontal lobe over my left ear, back of my head, my two hemispheres disconnected. And so I was basically a pseudo vegetable at home. Now I see that people think that's tragic and it was, but what I think it was, was a gift because I was traveling as a speaker when I got sick and I was about to go to India and I went to the doctors and they said, you're not sick. There's nothing wrong with you. I do know I'm having nightmares of dying. Something's wrong. Um, can you please check me? They do. There's nothing wrong with you. Blood work, nothing. I said, can you do me a favor? They did what? Can you give me a mammogram? And they said, oh, you just had a mammogram a couple of months ago. You, you don't need it again. And I said, please. I really think it's cancer. And they said, no, you can't feel cancer. Well, my dreams, my nightmares, it was, it was horrible. So they finally do a mammogram on me and I did not have any lumps. But when I was done, I asked the tech for a tissue and she says, what do you need a tissue for? And I'm wiping off my breast and she says, what are you doing? I said, well, there's blood that comes out. There's some sticky stuff and blood that comes out. I've been telling everybody, but no one's listening to me. She says, that's not good. And so I went and saw another doctor. He's like, I think this is what it is, but go see this other doctor. And so he sends me to the other doctor and the other doctor said, that's dry skin. You're in Colorado, go home. And she gave me lotion. Now, every 30 days I came back because I watched my areola turn black. And that liquid that was coming out of me was eating me from the outside and it looked like lava. And I said, this is not dry skin. There's something wrong. And they said, no, no, no. Maybe your bra is ill-fitted. Maybe you're running and it's rubbing wrong inside of your bra. I said, I am 389 pounds. Do you think I run enough to have my breast get rubbed raw? And she's like, well, it's just dry skin. So for six months, I argued with this person. At the end of that six months, I found out she was leaving my husband's military and she was going on a temporary duty. And when she left, I called her office and said that she had forgotten me to, she forgot to refer me to a specialist. And I get to the specialist the next day because you know they called and oh my gosh, we're sorry we missed you. So they get me into the specialist. The specialist says, what are you doing here? I'm a skin doctor, not a breast doctor. 
And I said, please, I need someone to look at me that might know what what's happening because this is not dry skin. I think I'm dying. And she leaves in a huff. She comes back and I have my robe on from the, the hospital gown on, but I can't close it because all the nerve endings in my right breast are screaming. I can't even move my right arm. And she walks in and she sees me from across the room and says, oh, dear God, you have cancer. And the door shut behind her. And I'm like, I know I have cancer. And she says, I, I'm sorry I told you that way. She says, but people with, you have pageant's disease of the breast. People with this, they die within 12 months of diagnosis. And then I started crying. And she says, I'm sorry I told you it like that. And I said, no, I'm not crying because of that. I have three months to get moving. I have to make a difference in my life. I have to make a difference in the world. And she says, what? So I knew I had cancer. I've been trying to convince the hospital for the past eight months that something's wrong. Get it off of me. I need to live. At the point I had two uh, teenage daughters and I, I really didn't want to die yet. And so I got them to push me through that process. Now, for those of you who are in that cancer journey, you understand all those machines they put us in and all those diagnoses, all those tests they do on us. I was 389 pounds. I'm five foot. I didn't fit in their machines. So in order to do the breast scan to find out what was going on in me, they couldn't fit me in the machine to do it. And so the doc, in my midst of all this, in the 60 days I'm waiting to have my surgery, she they're like, you should probably lose a good 80 pounds. So in this newly diagnosed breast cancer, I'm on a diet to try to save my life so that I can fit in a machine, though they can see it on me, to fit in the machine so some board could check boxes on who in line of the breast cancer surgeries can go first, basically. And I, I dropped the 80 and I got into the machine and then they did the surgery 60 days after I was diagnosed and I, I had the double mastectomy and I didn't get rebuilt. And I was going my merry way and it, it's just... I knew there was a message in me. And I learned that when I was in my brain, my brain injury. And I said that brain injury was a blessing because I got highly sensitive to everything around me. I mean, noises, sounds, my body. I, I, I was listening to myself. And that was what was telling me something was wrong before that outer manifestation of breast cancer ever showed itself. So in my mind, my brain injury saved me from my cancer. If I hadn't started complaining when I did, I would have just dropped dead because no one was, no one was listening to me. And so when I talk to our tribe, <laughs> talk to our tribe, you are your best advocate. You know you better than anyone else. And you know, when your body's not acting right, don't blow it off. Don't let anyone else tell you that it's in your head because your life is, your life is dependent on that. And no breast cancer is the same of any other breast cancer. I mean, Every, all the women I've met around the world, our symptoms were different. Everything was different. And so that they have a little check sheet of what to look for kind of bothers me because I didn't fit the checkbox at all. So much so they didn't even want to give me any test, but yet here I am. Hmm. That's how I got here. You know, we hear the story a lot. Um, I'll have to tell you that for me, you know, this story resonates with me because when I went to my primary care physician 
after missing my mammogram at the age of 40, I showed up, I was just shy of 41. And she said to me, Lori, they just changed the guidelines to 45. <laughs> You're fine. Now, mind you, I've worked in cancer diagnostics for 20 years. And I looked at her, I'm like, do you really think I'm not going to get screened? But I kind of like, was like, whatever, my life is busy. I went on my way and I woke up to a dream that I was riddled with cancer. So folks, when you're listening to this conversation, you know, your intuition tells you to keep moving forward. I had to also fight for my baseline mammogram because she wrote me off. She's like, you're fine. You're healthy. She had mm -hmm. done, she had done an exam on me as well. Like a self exam. I was doing self exams. And by the time I got to my mammogram, I had four masses in my left side that were so advanced that everybody was like, how did you not feel this? So for those of you listening, like, really, I want you to hear yourself. Because Michelle, what Michelle is sharing is so powerful that if she didn't, if she wasn't her own advocate, she wouldn't be here today. Neither would I. So Michelle, when I say that, what comes up for you? About being your own advocate? Just about what you've gone through and how like people can really get stopped by putting blind faith in physicians. Well, it honestly, it it changed the directory of the trajectory of my speaking. I was speaking before about breast, uh, about my brain injury, and about understanding yourself and having a purpose in life. I still talk about that, having you know, being resilient about getting things done and having a plan. Matter of fact, my TEDx that I did, I I say you have to have a goal, but be flexible on getting there. You must enjoy the desserts in life because it's the little things that you miss when you don't have them and when you can't get to them like you when you were stuck in your house right yeah. it, those kind of things those little things of just going outside alone without was something i missed and the last thing was the differences between a rut and a grave other dimensions yeah. i made it to 389 pounds because i kept doing the exact same thing i'm going to the gym i'm not dropping any weight i'm still eating what i want to eat but i'm not dropping any weight I was doing the same thing and expecting something to change. I had to change. So when I hear these stories like you and, you and I just shared about being our own advocate, I shifted my talks to self-leadership. I say self-leadership because when we know ourselves so well, we don't back down when people tell us we're not right. So those hospitals, that hospital, the nurse practitioner who blew me off, she wouldn't even let me get to my practitioner wouldn't let me go hint to him. I had to only see her until she wrote me off, till she would sign me off to see him. And when I, I begged her, she said, I'm not gonna waste his time with dry skin. So mm. here's what goes to my mind. One, you must know yourself. Two, you must lead yourself beyond anyone else. So many of us, a lot of us, we, we, we give and give and give and we take care of everybody else. And we're like, ah, I don't feel well together. That's okay. I'll just keep going because so-and-so needs me. I talk about self-leadership and resiliency because we must stand up for ourselves, not just in the medical world, but in everything we do. And what I did after that is I wrote the hospital. I wrote the head administrator and said, this woman ignored me for six months and I am stubborn as I'll get out. 
what about all those other women because she's wearing that white coat say, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I must be in my head. Oh, okay. I said, you've got to move her out of that world. She should not be working with patients because she's killing women. Right. She's killing people. She was in women's health because if she came across anyone else who wasn't as strong-willed as I was or having nightmares of dying and succumbed to what she said, they'd be dead right now. Yeah. So I said, do me a favor, move her from that position. I didn't say fire her, but she should not be working with people. So that's what went into my mind. I go out and I speak around the world about standing up for yourself, knowing, knowing you so well that I don't care if 20 other people tell you you're wrong, you know you're right and you know your body, you stand up. And that's all about self-leadership, to have the confidence to stand up for who you are, no matter where you are, especially when it comes to our health, because we are the only person who knows us. We are all unique in fingerprints. And like I said, I did not fit any of the demographic of a breast cancer patient. It was not in my blood. It wasn't anywhere. It was not a marker. When you know something's wrong, it doesn't even have to be cancer. Stand up for yourself. Don't be the, the good little girl that we were all taught to be, to say, okay, you have a degree. I, I agree with you. No, fight for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And throughout all of this, so you're going through this now, you've been diagnosed. You are like, see, I told you so. And you get that victory, but at the same time, you're now diagnosed with cancer. So through this journey, you said that you actually wrote the book that you're going to be talking about today. Want to tell us a little bit more about yes. that? Well, when they diagnosed me and they were telling me, uh, you're too big to fit in the machines, I was going nuts because basically she said, my time was limited, but wait. I, I went a little nuts and I, I was ticked off at the world. I was, I was really upset with the entire medical system. And so if I was going to die, I needed to leave something for my children. Um, my kids were teenagers and I wanted them to have their mom there if I didn't make it. So I wrote a book called, well, let me tell you that first. I went to India. Okay. I, I, I traveled. I was still speaking. I was still doing everything. And people kept saying, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. You're a world speaker. Oh, you're so lucky. You get to do this and get that. And I said, it's not luck. It's not luck. I made a choice to live the best life I possibly could in days that are numbered for me. And then in that journey, I realized that all of our days are numbered. I actually had a blessing. I know what more than likely was going to take me out and about when, right? How many people don't know that, right? We, right. we had a benefit. Something big and monstrous and scary is standing at your shoulder. You either better run, you better fight, you better do something. It was an incentive. So remember I told you I was stuck in my head for the two years and three months. I wrote a book in my head. And when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and given that short time, I wrote it. I wrote, it's not luck overcoming you. And what it is, it's really a workbook. It's a short workbook. One, I had to get out of my own head. Two, all those voices that were in my head before with my brain injury came back with my breast cancer. Like, you're not strong enough to fight this. And so I wrote a story. I found a story in my past that I remembered about me being courageous. And so I told the story and then I asked the reader, when did you do something courageous? 
something small. It doesn't have to be big. And when you're in this cancer journey, when whatever hardship you're in, look back at that. And how did you do it? How did you feel? Now repeat it. And so I asked them questions after each story. The other thing about the whole breast cancer thing was, if I make it, am I still me? Yeah. Who am I? I had a lot of issues about who am I after this? I mean, they're cutting pieces off of me. Uh, my, my breast cancer brought a total of eight surgeries in a row. So every six months they cut me open for something new because the cancer kept moving through my body. And so I started doubting who I was and was I human? Was I worthy of living? I mean, this is really hard and it hurt a lot. Is it worth fighting for? And so I found these stories in my past, most of them when I was a little girl that showed me I am worthy. I am strong enough. I've, I've done some things and I walk people through their own stories and have them ask themselves their own questions because we are not given these challenges to fail. We're giving these challenges to find the strength within us in order to accomplish something else. And in my, my opinion with it's not luck in my whole breast cancer and my brain injury was it's not about me. I found my way out and now it's my duty, just like you starting this podcast. It's my duty to help people find the strength in them. If they can borrow their belief from me that I believe in you. I believe in you and I know you're strong and I know you're worthy and I know no matter much and how much it hurts and how much you want to give up, you've got this and do the best you can to be the best version of you every day and find that light in the darkness because we all know that part, man, it gets dark and you start questioning even the love of the people around you. Find the light. Find what is that one good thing you're supposed to do. Go do it. The other thing I came out of with this, the breast cancer and my journey with my, my brain injury, because I, I still have both of them apparently, is that it doesn't matter how long I have, as long as I give it my best every day. And so my encouragement to all of your listeners is, we don't know if we're going to step outside and get hit by a car, Okay. You don't know. So go be the best you. If you want more education, go get it. If you want a certificate, go get it. If you want to be the best mom in the world or dad in the world, go do it. But stop waiting for one day because no one, no one is guaranteed tomorrow. We aren't even guaranteed this afternoon. That brain injury taught me that. I drove out of my house all upset and all pissy about whatever I was mad at that day. The last thing I said to my children were, hurry up, you're late for school. And then I got hit by a car. I was blessed to wake up from that and find my way back and now be able to speak with only with three parts of my brain not working. Those three parts of my brain not working made me more aware of what was going on in my body. So I found my cancer before the doctors found it. There's a blessing in everything. Right. Now I'm a global speaker. I have a TV show that's in six continents around the world. I'm supposed to have been dead by medical science. Fight, fight your way. Lori and I share our stories, not to tell you how to do it, but that it can happen. You can fight, fight your way. 
I, I got a little preachy, but yes, oh. it's not luck overcoming you. It helped me through my cancer. You are just an incredible soul. And I, I can speak for everybody that is going to hear what you have to say. Oh, you are such a gift and you're so powerful and you are go you're changing lives. So folks, those of you listening, like Michelle walks the walk. She has her fears and she goes beyond them. She has her doubt and she keeps striving forward. You know what? She wakes up and doesn't have a good day and she makes it a good day. She's not Jeez. saying exactly. She's she. So what we're saying here is that you have the power to change your thoughts and to be intentional on how you want to live your life. Michelle, it's truly an honor. And I could sit here with you for hours. So much good. You do so much good and you are so powerful. It's the word power is the word that comes for me. Like that is what I feel from you. And you truly exemplify what it means to be a warrior. You are not at the effect of your life. You are in charge of it. And we are truly, truly grateful for you to be on here to share your story. So if people want to find you, where can they go? I have a brain injury, so I make it easy for myself. Everything's on my website, michellemaras.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-R-A-S. And if you go there, you'll find every link to every video I make, my courses, my books, you name it, it's there. My TV show link is there. So find me. I talk like this all the time. I'm very open and I connect. So if you find me on social media, send me a message and say, I want to connect. I'll connect because I love to share and I love to be that uplifting voice. I believe it's my purpose. That's why I'm here. I, I lost my brain, but kept my voice. That's the key to me. So that's why I share it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart with us today. It's truly just, you're just an amazing soul. Thank you. Thank you. And so are all of you. Choose to be you, not anyone else.